0: Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ.
1: And I'm Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are so, once again, I always say this, but we are so excited to be here. We love doing this podcast and we are so thankful for all of you listening and once again, we have a great guest tonight with us. And this guest, Kate Toronto, um, it's so funny. Um, she's a researcher, and I came up upon her research and I um, DM'd Allison. I'm like, why are we not talking to Kate? And she's like, I already sent her a message. And so we both have this, right, Allison? We both have this impression of we need to do a podcast with Kate. Yeah, exactly.
0: And Kate, I got to know Kate. Um, she didn't know me, but I got to know her through Papa Osler. That's the great thing about podcasts; you feel like you know someone. Mm-hmm. She did an amazing podcast. Kate, do you know the number? No, I but don't... I'll link it it's in like the show. One sixty-nine or something, <laughs> something like that.
1: I. Yeah. It's two thousand nineteen. It's a little, it's, a, it's he has so many. It's way you back know. there, but
0: but Kate um, talked with Papa Osler about her her research. Um, that she had done and it was just when I listened to it it was so fascinating because it's some of the um, ideas that I'd been kind of carrying around and thinking about and it's so fun to hear Kate she's tiny and has this little cute voice and has this (laughs) big powerful message of um, of she's just has had a front row seat to some really interesting experiences as a straight individual but with lgbtq um people in her life and we were just talking there's more than we even knew before so we're going to get into some really interesting things and kate let's let's talk about you studied let's see i won't get it right business management with at byu with mm-hmm. had like a with the
2: organizational me. behavior essentially how do people work in complex organizations and society i love that
0: but that is good information for us all time
2: relevant yes
0: <laughs> okay and then you can tell your story you felt really one of the things I really like about uh your stories is how inspired you are and how you sort of wrestle with the inspiration because I know that feeling <laughs> and you're
1: really honest yeah. about it you're like yeah I'm not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I like and then but then you're like Jonah the lord doesn't leave you alone and so <laughs> you yeah. need to do it. <laughs> I love it cuz you identify, you know it.
0: You know it when you feel it doesn't mean that you want to go down that road but no. <laughs> right. But you know it and you follow it and I love that. And um we'll see about more of that at the end but talk to, talk about what happened. You studied at Columbia. Mhm. And And started this research. So let's talk about, let's start there.
2: Yeah, um, well first of all, thank you for having me. It is so fun to be with both of you. I studied at Columbia University um, master's degree in psychology and it was about a year into my studies that I had to choose a thesis topic. And at about that same time, I was sitting down with a friend from Columbia who is the trifecta of all things diversity. He is gay, LDS, um, immigrant, not a native sp- uh, English speaker, um, has, you know, checks almost every single box. And we were having lunch one day, and I turned to him and I said, you know, after learning all of this and going through this program i just i just want to go change the world mm. and he looked at me this is maybe one of the most impactful moments of my life but he just said kate you want to change the world but there's people in your community who are hurting mm. why do you want to change the world when there are so many people in your community who are hurting
1: uh, what did you think when he said that?
2: Ah, uh, it's just that mm. that lightning bolt of shoot, you know, I'm focused on the wrong things. There are so many world problems that we need to solve as humanity. And, and there are so many people here in Utah within the LDS community, um, in our own homes who are so terribly sad and alone. And It was a couple weeks after that conversation that um, the idea came to study LGBTQ Latter-day Saints for my graduate thesis. I had been impressed to take a class on LGBTQ issues earlier that semester, this is what Allison was referring to, and I just didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, I am not taking an LGBTQ class, at a very liberal university in the most <laughs> liberal city in the world, I already was scared that me and God were going through a thing. So I was like, if I take that class, that will surely be the end of me and everything God. So no, not for me. And, and then a few months later, this, this impression just came to, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And um, it wasn't I had downloaded the syllabus for the class. I didn't take it, but I downloaded the syllabus just in case I ever wanted to go read what they Mm -hmm. were reading. And I pulled up the research study and the first research I studied was all on LGBTQ mental health outcomes. And I'm sitting on this small futon in this tiny bedroom in the middle of Harlem. And I just wept as I read about the higher suicide and depression and anxiety and drug and alcohol use and I had the thought you know if if this is how people who are in non-religious communities are experiencing LGBTQ life my guess is it's probably not better within a religious community but I wanted to test it wanted to test it so um few months later I was in the middle of a research study and here we are wow I not love so
1: it. I mean really there's a wrestle there
0: and and I like it was a little bit of a self-preservation <laughs>
2: yeah, no. oh absolutely I did <laughs> I did not want to go down this topic it felt scary it felt hard it felt um it felt dangerous at the time
0: that that is a very common feeling within the membership of the church Yeah, Yeah. One might not be able to, because it's not so, um, so kind of pointed at them. Like, do you want to take this class Mm -hmm. as a Mm -hmm. nice Mormon girl and like, you know, your first time, whatever, you know, experiencing all of that. But I think we've spent a lot of time in the church, not wanting to touch and not wanting to look at the pain. Yep.
2: Yeah
0: for you know everyone has their own reasons you had your own reasons but I think that that's a very common thing people don't want to look at this
2: yeah and I think it extends to a lot of areas of our community right Right. we don't want to look at polygamy we don't want to look at mental health we don't because it's scary and it is scary but we want to heal right yeah we We don't don't have all the the Totally, and that's okay. I think, yeah. I think part of this being in the LGBTQ space is just realizing, hey, we don't have the answers, and and that's okay. And if you believe in God, like there's room to not have the answers and that's still funny. be in that space.
0: Absolutely, and and we should be there. Mm-hmm. We yeah. should be in those really uncomfortable, hard spaces. I, I'm, i I'll tell you that polygamy is mine. Oh, like it's I've a t- like, tough I space. Don't, don't want to <laughs> talk about it. Like. All of the ancestors, but I don't want to talk about it. yep. it's coming at us in the study right now. I mean it's like a freight train right now.
2: <laughs> it will come. It will come.
1: <laughs> right. So so tell us about the study. Like what did you find? What was your conclusion?
2: Okay, well. This was just so eye-opening for me, right? I, I created a very vanilla hypothesis. Um, I was looking specifically at coping mechanisms and life outcomes. So, coping mechanisms, the quick 15-second explanation is all of us experience stress, and stress is when we have something that we don't feel like we can deal with. And in order to deal with stress, we employ some coping mechanism. Now, Therapist or best practice mental health is usually to engage in an engagement coping mechanism, which puts you somewhat working through the stress. So you're mm-hmm. learning about the stress, you're talking to friends and family about it, maybe you're going to therapy, but there's some kind of emotional and intellectual, not wrestle, but working through it. And that's usually, I think that actually is the only way to do the work or to totally yeah, so- heal.
1: So basically not going numb through your stress, but like, right.
2: Yeah, exactly. If you look at the other side, you have drug or alcohol use or numbing or distraction or anything that's like, like polygamy coping. I don't want to do that. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm shutting the door. I'm ignoring it. Right. And, and that can work for a time, but it's not a permanent solution. So anyways, hypothesis, those who engage with the stress will have better life outcomes thought that was a very normal hypothesis I even thought to myself as I was drafting the hypothesis and submitting the hypothesis to um, the boards that be to do the research study I was like this is so boring I'm going to come back with a boring answer (laughs) like I almost like was chastising myself like come on Kate you should have thought of something better um but man was I wrong The findings were so fascinating, and it was because it was exactly the opposite of what I expected.
1: Wow.
2: Not only was there a negative correlation with life outcomes and engagement coping mechanisms, in other words, people who are going to therapy or talking to their family or reading about their sexual and spiritual identities, they have worse life outcomes. Or self-reported worst life outcomes, those who engaged in the disengagement coping strategies like self-blame and distraction, they had a positive correlation with life outcomes and a fairly strong positive uh, correlation with life outcomes. And I just, I took... (laughs) I'll never forget. I'm, I'm with the professor at BYU who's helping me with the statistical analysis. And we run the report and he tells me what he finds. And I'm like, Bill, that's not right. We got to run, run it again. It again. It <laughs> <true. Yeah. laughs> run it again. And we did the test a few different ways. And every time we came back with the same finding that engagement coping strategies were actually correlated with worse life outcomes. And for me, this was just a major wake-up call, a huge Mm -hmm. wake-up call that um, it's not the individuals who are broken, but that the experience of working through dissonance between spiritual and sexual identities is so intense that those who actually work through it are the ones who are experiencing heightened stress and more depression and anxiety.
1: I love how you put that. It's not the individual who's broken, but the experience is broken. Right. 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 Uh, That's really a, a well thought out way of how it has been in the church. Right. Yeah. Where the message is you are broken. And so, Oh, I, I think that's really um, something for us to look at. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's the whole reason for your research. Right. Mm -hmm. And so do you think like, why did you like, what was your conclusion from that? Because, that's so shocking to find, right? Where if yeah. they do, I mean, is it just because it's it's so painful to be um, LGBTQ as a LDS state?
2: Right? I think it's because the dissonance is intense, right? Yeah for people who are straight and members of the church, the sexual and spiritual identities don't conflict. In fact, they're they're really compatible, right? right. You're married yeah. and the whole point is this eternal godhood and this really beautiful doctrine around, and theology that's all around heterosexual marriage. Right, yeah. And so to be gay or to have some kind of sexual orientation that isn't straight, those two identities aren't as compatible and so then the individual has to reconcile with how do I hold both of these and in the qualitative portion there were just some really heartbreaking quotes that showed how devastating being at the intersection of these sexual and spiritual identities could feel And so there's other research that's been done about different coping strategies and different options for individuals who are at that intersection. Um, But regardless, it's it's usually a very painful look at what is my religious identity? What is my spiritual identity? What is my sexual identity? And how do all of these fit together?
0: Well, and let's point this out. So what's happening is people... Just by the nature of our doctrine Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and the way that we teach it, I would say, even more importantly, um, because there is a way to teach, you know, marriage is divine between a man and woman. And we can look at other, there could be other possibilities that we haven't researched Mm -hmm. yet, right? Which gives Mm -hmm. us some freedom and a place to start asking questions. But when we say it's only between a man and a woman then anybody that experiences this differently Mm
2: -hmm.
0: is automatically has to decide, am I broken? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Am I not right? Mm -hmm. Um, Why, what's wrong with me? Like this is an automatic and natural really reaction to this is the only way, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not built to be that way. So I think one of the hard things for the members of our church to look at is that we do have um, a way of speaking about marriage that automatically makes other people feel broken.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and marginalized. Yeah, for sure. Whether yeah, a, which is really scary when we when we think of more than half our church is single.
0: A third. Yeah, when you look at a third. Sister Bingham said a third of the women in. Oh, I'm sorry, two thirds. A third of the women in the church are married.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So we're speaking in a way that only a third resonates with right now. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And those maybe are widowed.
2: Yeah. Or divorced. Well, and I think the doctrine for widows is, or people who are divorced is just as difficult, especially for women, mm-hmm. right? Because now you have to grapple with marriages between man and a woman. But if you're a widowed woman, how do you get remarried? Yeah. You know, there's this real tension between men not wanting to marry a widowed woman because of the complications that that will be in the next life. Yeah. Or, you know, if it's just marriage, the doctrine of marriage is so beautiful. And as a community, we need to look at how it's also complicated for those who aren't married, for those who are widowed, for those who are divorced, for those who are the second wife of a male widower. And for those who don't have a straight sexual orientation, it gets messy and complicated. And when you look at all of those groups together, that's the majority of the church. Yeah. And that's the group that feels so othered and like they don't belong right now.
0: Absolutely. And I I actually have to say, this is a good thing to know these stats about the the, the members of the church not being, you know, we used to think everybody was married, right? Mm-hmm. For the few, um and now we know that only the few are married. Mm-hmm. It forces us to look at an important doctrine of marriage, which is important and mm-hmm. sacred.
1: yeah
0: And and what else?
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. And what else? Yeah,
0: Jenny's the queen of and.
1: I, I love That's right. That's I right.
0: haven't done enough and, yeah. and. And I think that this reality that there are people who are who do identify as LGBTQ or as Mm non-straight is really forcing us all to have to look at the end. Yes, Mm -hmm. the Lord instituted marriage between a man and a woman. And what else does he need us to know? Mm -hmm. What else can we learn from so many LGBTQ people in our midst? Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, and and that's why I love your research because it sort of points to the same thing. Like we've got members, we've got members of the church that are hurting mm-hmm. and we need to, it's our job to to um, help them with that mm-hmm. and help them find their way and ask the questions and what? Mm-hmm. and what for them and what for the single women and what for the single men and what for our LGBTQ folks and, and what for our trans friends.
2: Yeah. What what do we not know there? I heard Brene Brown explain privilege as the ability to wake up and not ask hard questions. (laughs) And and I just thought that was so powerful. And at the time she was talking about it with race. You know, you can wake up and you're not thinking about things like the fact that most Band-Aids don't match your skin tone. I saw black Band-Aids in the grocery store the other day and I was like, that's new. And then yeah. I thought how insane it is that we live in a world where there was a significant population who didn't have band-aids that matched their skin. Very so tough. she was talking about it with okay. that, but within the LDS community, this question is really poignant because there are people who, what I see is, and I don't want this to come across as harsh, but it's almost a spiritual and moral laziness. Mm. It's, I don't have to ask those questions. Yeah, My marriage works. I don't need yeah. to do that. My family is eternal. All of my kids are straight, you right. know, and there's this need of like, I don't have to touch those. So I'm not going to touch them. Right. But when you have the majority of your church congregation who isn't fitting in and who is so desperately hurting and you are deciding not to do anything about it, it just feels really not Christ-like, Right. you know? Like we really need to lean in as a community and it is going to be uncomfortable and it is going to be hard. And I get that because I didn't want to take the class and I didn't take the class, right? So I'm like standing in solidarity with anyone who's like, I don't want to touch this, but it comes to the point where it will touch all of us. It will. And, and we need to have courage. We need to have courage and trust that there are answers. Trust in a God that does have answers mm. and trust in that promise that if you ask, you shall receive. But man, that means you have to have enough courage to ask.
0: Right. And we have to trust that the Lord has big, beautiful plans and that yeah. there's a fullness. We know there's a fullness we haven't grasped yet. That mm-hmm. We know there's mysteries to unlock. We know these things and... We shouldn't be afraid that the Lord's going to, you know, he's not surprised by LGBTQ people.
2: No, no, he's not scratching his head like, wait, what happened?
0: Oh, I didn't think that. You
2: know, <laughs> like, like, I don't know why. <laughs> it's such a
0: natural like, deviation from, like, you know, standard deviation, if you yes. look at that, like, statistically and I'm getting into math. And so we're going to all be in trouble in a second, but (laughs) like, this is a natural, these are natural standard deviations from Mm -hmm. center of totally straight. Like Mm -hmm. this is the Lord's math. Yeah. So that's why I really, your, your study, um, your study just points to the pain Mm -hmm. that people have to, that doing drugs that zoning out that any number of avoidance techniques is better than coming to a congregation to find Christ makes yeah. breaks my heart.
1: It really, yeah. yeah. For anybody. I mean, yeah, no, the damage that we've done. Yeah. I mean, it, it just feels so like there's so much to repent of, right? Like, and, yeah. and just to do better. Cause you know, the Lord wants us to do better. Like he, like he, this, I feel like this is an opportunity in our gospel and in the, in our, um, in the world of our, of the LDS, the history of the LDS people. And I see it. I see people waking up and from the slumber and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. What have we done? What are we doing? Because where's Christ in this? Right. You know?
0: Well, and here's the thing. Once, you know, it's, it's easy for us. We have gay children. We had to mm-hmm. look up. Yeah. We had to wake up. I mean, the, the mothers of the olden days ignored it, mm. but we, we can't do it anymore. But for those who don't have to look at it and then finally see it, there's no unseeing it. Yeah. And, and that we have to address as well because once people have seen this pain, and I think you probably know this, Kate, like there's no unseeing it. Yeah. And then you've got to do something. So, Kate, you had an interesting, we talked a little bit before, and we've had a lot going on since. <laughs> and uh, Kate talks a lot in Papa Osler. I hope you will all go listen to Papa Osler's interview with Kate. It's beautiful. She gets really into the um, research. And I think, um, while well, we've just touched on it because you have so much interesting information that I want to get from you. But you talk a lot about your boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about what's happened there since.
2: Yeah, so so the part that I wasn't open with Papa Osler about, and this was no diss on him. This was just where I was at and where um, this man was at. But at the time I created my research study, I was in a relationship and just was head over heels. I really loved him from the, from the moment I met him. The first day I met him, we met at a karaoke party and 20 minutes later we were karaoke to popular from Wicked and oh, awesome. everything I just said is my brand. Like I love karaoke, <laughs> I love Broadway, I've got like this adorable man with bright blue eyes and this wide smile, karaokeing with me. And I just looked at him it's and I was like, it's, it's, oh no, it's I'm like in so much trouble. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and then on our first date, he he told me the whole plot line to Atlas Shrugged. Oh. And that was like the other part of my brand, right? Like this guy's red wow. Atlas Shrugged. He can tell wow. me the whole thing and he can karaoke with me to Broadway. Like, like, I think I went home probably and wrote down in my journal, like, oh my gosh, like this guy might be the one.
1: Mm.
2: And um, so yeah, I just totally loved him. And we dated all throughout my time at Columbia and uh, s- throughout the year, became like in a more serious relationship and so after I finished my courses I moved out back out to Utah so that we could be together and um you know there there were some I want to say yellow flags along the way Mm -hmm. and and we had talked about some of them um, but in true Kate Toronto fashion, I don't know if I want the internet to know this for the sake of all my future boyfriends, but, um, <laughs> I gonna
0: think this is adorable. I know they are. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, at some point like, was like, okay, there are enough yellow flags. I got to talk to him about it. And I like created three categories and each category had four sub bullets and I like sent, and I like sat him down and I was like, by the end of the summer, we need to talk about all 12 of these topics. Um, and one of those topics was homosexuality. Um, I didn't know for sure. I, there were a few things pointing to the fact that he might not be totally straight. Um, and the relationship was like really great in a million ways that I don't think I really wanted to face that. Um, but I also liked myself enough that I wanted to know that before, you know, having the relationship yeah. be more serious. Yeah, so you wanted an honest relationship. Yeah. Right. Like, okay. And if you're not straight, let's talk about that and let's work through that together. Right. Um, so. Well, I've done enough preamble that you guys probably know where this is going, (laughs) but I've started my thesis. I'm halfway through my thesis and, um, and we sat down on a hill in Vineyard, Utah one night and, um, he told me that he was gay. Oh,
1: wow.
2: Um, yeah, just, um, his therapist at the time. So um my head is reeling, my heart is sinking. And also the only thing I can think is like, I'm the first person he told this isn't about me right now.
1: Oh, and, you're so beautiful to be that.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You was, were in pain, you had to be
1: in pain at that moment and you just put your pain aside.
2: It was, wow. you know, I like felt like my whole body like sink back, but it was like, okay, this is not about me right now. And we had a really great conversation about it for about an hour. And I was like, okay, thank you for telling me. Um, let's talk about this. And and we talked about it and we decided at the end of the night that we were going to still try things. And so um, I went home. I don't remember what happened when I went home, but I remember waking up the next day and being like, wow, thank goodness that was a dream. That was such a bad dream. (laughs) (laughs) And then realizing with this sinking feeling again, Mm -hmm. that this man that I totally love um, is gay. I was a wreck. I tried to go to work. Um, I, at one point was in a staircase, couldn't even walk up the stairs. I was like, so... Traumatized might be the right word. Just like yeah. in such an intensely emotional spot, I like lean over the stairs and I'm just sobbing. And my coworker walks in the staircase. And he's just like this sweet veteran man who like doesn't know how to deal with weeping females on staircases. <laughs> and he's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm not okay." Um, I end up fleeing the building 20 minutes later because clearly I'm not going to do much work that day. And um, And I just, yeah, went home, probably journaled. I did journal. I I actually remember that journal entry included a lot more swear words than is typical for a Kate (laughs) journal entry. (laughs) Um, And and then the next day, um, this guy and I, we showed up and we talked through it again. And then we talked through it again. And then we talked through it again. And... Over the next two months, we did everything a good Latter-day Saint couple would do. We went to the temple. We prayed. We stayed. Um, we talked to our bishops. We went to therapy together. Um, if there was, if there is any multiverse where the two of us got to end up together, we found it. Mm. And, um, and it was beautiful because I have to know his story so much more. Um, you know, we had moments where we're sitting on that same hill and vineyard and um, we see this cute family walking past us. And he just, he looked at me and he had tears in his eyes and he was like, that's the dream, isn't it? Mm. And his his oh. face just had like so much sorrow because it's like, that's the dream and
1: That's the dream. And
2: um, and towards the end of the relationship, we we went out to Denver with my family. My family was in Denver at the time, and we went on a really long walk. This was on a Sunday after we had been fasting and praying to know what to do. And I were sitting on a park bench and I looked at him and I just said, am I ever going to be enough for you? And his face was so sad and compassionate. Mm. And he just looked back at me and he said, Kate, I don't know. I just don't know. And, um, Oh, boy. At this point, we had been seeing each other for almost 15 months now. He knew me better than any other person on the planet, and I loved him so deeply. And to have that love not returned in the same way was just absolutely devastating for me. Um, now I know I want to own that some people are in mixed orientation marriages and that their experience um, is beautiful and that they have a good experience there. So Sure. In sharing this story, I don't want to like place any judgment or commentary on those relationships. No, no, no. Everybody's story is different. Everyone's yeah. story is different. And I just want to make space for that. Um, but our story, that was really painful for both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in that night. We had another long conversation about God and everything that night out by the fire pit. And I went inside and I just started Googling everything I could about mixed orientation marriages and I read for hours <laughs> hours 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 and um I read one family story and that partnership ended in divorce and you know I can't predict the future but I just just felt like if the two of us continued date, it was it was like eventually going to end up there you know, Mm. it's just like, this is not, this is not going to be happy or healthy for me or for him. And I want better for me. And I also want better for him. Mm. Um, the pain of losing him was hyper intense. Like (laughs) I come to that conclusion and that night, I'm like, we we're going to have to break up. Like, I can't, I can't do this. And, um, I go downstairs in my parents' basement and just have like a full blown panic attack because I'm like, I'm not ready to lose him. I just love him so much. And I've got like a pillow over my face and I'm like kicking and screaming, and it's like 4 a.m.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, poor Kate. Um, oh, I could just imagine.
2: Oh, oh it's just like terrible. And yeah. the next morning I walk into his room. I was like, we gotta break up. And he he wasn't happy about it either, right? Because like I I'm I just I want to be in his room. I want to, I'm sure he felt the same way. Well, because our relationship was so good, right? It was, the connection was strong in so many important ways. Um, And I think for him, I I can't speak for him completely, but I think it was really devastating for him as well. Not only was our connection really strong and our friendship strong, but it was also like, if I'm not going to make it with the LDS girl who's actually studying LGBTQ issues, like um, what hope do I have? Yeah. Um, so I think it was, I think the the breakup was equally hard on him, but, um, yeah, we, we broke up. A f- I guess we technically went on a break a few weeks later. We broke up officially and, um, and driving away, we broke up in a Chick-fil-A parking lot. I feel like that detail is important. <laughs> <laughs> it just humanizes it. Yeah, it just like for anyone. Next time you go eat at the Chick Fil A yeah. in Lehigh, I want you to just like drive in the parking lot and be like, "This is where Kate and her gay boyfriend broke up." It's sacred space
1: now. That's
2: right. Sacred <laughs> like, like a little black. Um, but no, the b- driving away. I. Yeah, I'm just I'm telling you guys about all the most emotional moments, but I there's a Book of Mormon phrase like weeping and wailing Mm -hmm. after the all the earthquakes and tempests and everything, I think in 358. And like you just hear like these people sobbing and screaming. And I didn't understand that noise until that night. But Mm -hmm. I'm like driving away and I like feel like something is like actually tearing inside of me. And um and I just I I think "whale" is the only word to properly yeah. describe it, yeah. um, because I I wanted it to work so badly, and um, and that kind of that kind of pain and that kind of break in my heart did a few things that I didn't even understand at the time. But one was I was like, we're breaking up so I can have something better, and if I want something better for me, I have to want something better for Jordan. And it was just like in that moment, loving him so much, like, superseded everything else. Right. I just, I wanted him to be happy and I wanted him to have the same kind of relationship and intimacy that I would have. And it was like, I don't know what God thinks about that. And I don't know how to reconcile that with my faith. But, like, this about this for me is about love. And it's about loving me enough to, like, let myself have another chance at love. And it's about loving him enough to, to want a world where he can have that. Um, I think and, moms can
0: really relate to that. Right. Yeah. I it's think, like, and parents, I mean, parents and, and siblings and aunts and uncles too, but I think as moms, Jenny and I would tell you that that's that, that we, we come to that experience, That yeah. But what, what we yeah. love in, in marriage, having children, loving each other's so
1: worthwhile changing. Other. Yeah. And I love how the story today in lift and love where the mom said, um, everybody deserves their person. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was so beautiful. Like you really recognize, like I deserve my person and he deserves his person.
0: Yeah. That's,
1: mm, lovely.
0: It's so good. Yeah. It's so, I mean, like true grief, right? Oh, for sure.
1: And, and it that was level like of pain, like you've experienced that level of pain and it's been a year, a year and a half, Kate.
2: Oh, we broke up. Oh, la, 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 la. It was almost three years ago now.
1: Three years ago. Okay. Yeah. So you've had some distance because I have found when I experienced pain and I'm not saying my pain's ever been level, but my own pain, it changed me and it actually was a yeah. fi- refiner's fire. How has that been for you?
2: Yeah. I think that night, that determination of, you know, I want this, I want love for me and I want love for him. Um also completely, I didn't realize it at the time, but it reshifted my idea of God. And it was just a more expansive God. Mm-hmm. And the last three years since has been a deep reconciling and a deep spiritual journey for me that I didn't really anticipate. I think is probably correlated pretty strongly with this experience as I look back. Um, but it's this need, this deep need to believe in a God that wants me to be happy and also wants him to be happy and who will just let it all be and make it all work. And I, You know, I've got like all the Latter-day Saint answers of like, blah, 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 you know, and like all the counters. But for me, it's just like, but I just, I have to believe in that God. I have to believe in the unconditional God. I have to believe, you know, I have to believe in the God that will work out polygamy from the late 1800s. And if he's going to give those men and women a level of grace, I have to believe that he'll also give this man that I love and loved so much the same amount of grace.
0: Yeah. All right. yeah. I, I mean, again, what is the and? Yeah. Because clearly there was an and with polygamy. Yeah. And for women, polygamy is harder to deal with because sharing your husband not super fun. <laughs> no, and, and that's not any more natural than perhaps having a same-sex spouse, right? Like there's there's lots of things that we might not think are typical. Yeah. Things, experience in, or have been experienced in this, you know, in the last couple of hundred years in our religion and in our the growth of our church. So we have a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of ands.
2: Yeah. The sure. phrase that I use in my head a lot is this. It's not an exchange of who's included. It's not an exchange of who's included in heaven. It's just an expansion.
0: Yes, I love that. and I, I would think I think that's the the uh, an expanded God is what happened to me too in yeah. my, and, and, and this will move us into the next phase, but I often say being the parent of finding out your child is gay. Is like yeah. a faith plant into a faith transition. <laughs> it's like off a, a faith plant into a shallow pool with barely any water of it in it. Yeah, you are you are absolutely going to have a faith crisis. Count on it. Pack your bags, pack all your stuff <laughs> your scriptures and your marking pens, and a lot of tissue. And like, let's let's start unpacking. Like, mm. so I mean, Jenny's faith, Jenny's experience is different than mine is different than the next person's, but they're, we're all there. Right. This is, is. is. but
1: but don't be afraid of a crisis because I have found with me and my clients and I know with Allison, like the crisis is actually what brings you closer to God. Like get ready to have a different relationship with God. Like, like you got a more expansive relationship, which means Mm -hmm. like for you or for me, it it meant, Oh, I know God more intimately. Yeah. Yes. Right? And so did you learn how to know God on a more intimate level?
2: What is, where's is that okay. all taking you now? Let's <laughs> um, well, the last three years have just been um, a roller coaster. Jenny, I like that you said, don't be scared of it. But if I had known how much of a roller coaster it would have been, I think I would have been terrified. Yeah. Um that's why you don't get to know. Yeah. <laughs> get exactly. That is that's completely right. shielded from you until you're there. And then it's yeah. like, yeah. I'm already buckled on the roller coaster and I like kick yeah. it off. Get off this ride. Yes. Which is why it's so funny when people are like, you can like have this belief that you kind of choose your way into a faith crisis. I'm like uh no no you you find yourself in a roller coaster cart and the ride has already started and there's nothing you can do but like watch the d like the
1: because the lord knows us so well he knows we'd be pulling out of the cart yeah
2: Yeah. okay he knows you're out (laughs) he knows knows you're getting out but he wants Um, i believe he wants us
1: to to
0: struggle with the end yeah
2: yeah i think think we have have to yeah yeah um, I spent about, so after this man and I broke up, let's just, my one moment of empathy for myself and myself three years ago was I didn't get an easy out. The pain didn't end for me then because I was halfway through my thesis, right? Mm,
1: yeah, and so so
2: now I have, I'm going through 2,500 qualitative responses and quotes all from LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And each is just like salt, 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 like Uh salt in that fresh wound. And, you know, I just knelt down one night and was like, God, you kind of put me in a corner. And you are like, the only thing you get to learn about this year is gay Latter-day Saints. And, um... You know, every I, level,
1: <laughs> on every intimacy, level, yes, on every <laughs> level. Boy, you what is the, you can I love this though, because he is preparing level. you for something like, 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 like he, he, God always uses our pain for good, right? So, this, yeah. it's going to be exciting to see. I mean, I think the story's just beginning for you here.
2: Well, I've got my pride flag out front, you, you know, I'm like <laughs> doing everything I can for these LGBTQ kiddos, especially in Utah, but, um. Yeah, it's, you know, I spent the next year again, I didn't want this to be the source of a faith crisis, I really like, kicked and screamed my, my way into reconciling the fact that my conceptualization of God wasn't working for me anymore. Um, but I had a notebook called the family study and I wrote down, you know, I studied every scripture in the standard works that had to do with family and marriage and love and sexuality and everything. I huh? found out there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible about sexuality that we're not practicing and we're just going to let that rest. But um, yeah, I, I took a very spiritual approach to it and by spiritual, I mean religious approach to it. Um, I took, and then I just I journaled and I journaled and I journaled and um and about a year after this man and I broke up, um, I had my own not breakup but very intense breaking of my faith shelf. I just had put too many things on it and it wasn't sustainable and um and everything like all of my faith and my religious belief just November 1st of 2019, I woke up and it was, it was gone and it was, it wasn't gone, but it was in ruin. And, um, and so that was about a year and a half ago. And the last year and a half has been a really intense deconstruction process that's now working its way into reconstruction. And Jenny, kind of, like you said, like, um, finding that like deeper or closer relationship with God. Um, it's, it's not the same God for me. Um, but my relationship with the world, my relationship with others, my relationship with myself and my relationship with God has, feels so much more expansive and loving and even trusting than it Mm -hmm. did three years ago. Um, that I wouldn't take it back I don't think I would do it over again (laughs) (laughs) and I'm sure there will be other hard things in the future so just giving future Kate some grace there but um but I wouldn't take it back
1: Mm, those are big words
0: yeah, yeah I mean I I think what you have to say so resonates with or will resonate well with with all of the people who are, you know, even parents and just allies who are kind of grappling with this. I don't get this. Like, Mm -hmm. where do I believe? What do you know, the old ideas aren't really working for me anymore. They're not enough Mm -hmm. in the face of real pain and real people. Yeah. And what do I do? And, you know, as much as the scriptures tell us that our journey is going to be a hard one,
2: we don't really believe it,
1: do we? No. <laughs> no. No. But and you had such a front row row looking yeah. at our LGBTQ saints pain in the eye. And we talk about this all the time, Allison and I, where that is true empathy. Like when you are looking at it in the eye, you cannot look in the eye and not be changed. And so you were going through this change because of this pain you're, you have witnessed on a personal level too. The Lord didn't just say like, you're going to meet people. Like he involved you in your story too. Yeah. And so that the Lord wanted a different relationship with you. And so that it, all of us, like, like as mothers, for sure, like we can witness that of like so many mothers we talked to say like. Oh, my faith before was just a kindergarten faith. Like I didn't understand. I just didn't get it. And I had to go through pain to relearn and to learn better what God is in my life, what God means and how God loves all of his children. Mm -hmm. Because we get a very narrow view, a very boxed in view of what God and how he loves. And we don't understand how God loves at all. And it it just, when we see the pain, that is when we start relearning and changing. And that Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your pain. And because you've changed all of us now of seeing your pain and witnessing of that. And and that is really what we are as brothers and sisters and becoming one, one heart, one mind. This is the one heart. Right. This is Zion,
2: right?
0: It's the, yeah, re-
1: the Zion. Yeah. And Kate,
0: kate if you listen to Papa Osler's or Richard Osler's uh, Listen, Learn, and Love podcast with Kate, um, you, should, you talk about how the realization of people that you knew who had died by suicide, who yeah. had been in pain, like you hadn't seen yeah. the pain at all yeah. until you knew that there was that pain out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, that is an impactful thing. We, this is, it goes back to the Good Samaritan again. Some people walk on the other side of the road and we all want to because it's ugly. Pain's ugly. It hurts. It's messy. I should say, maybe not ugly, but it's messy. And um, some people can walk and look and not see. Some people come and look and walk away. And then some people pick them up and, yeah we all do that to some extent even the most generous sweetest you and me and jenny when we're being we we see we don't really see Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot of about this but once you see it you can't unsee it and that's the way it should be that is carrying burdens for one another if you carry them in your heart and yeah yeah
2: Well, I think we, you know, we started off this podcast talking about how, at least for me, there was a lot of fear to engage in this, right? Right. Because it was, I I can't engage because I don't know what's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that fear is so normal because it's right. You say, if I look this pain in the eye, I will have to change. Right. Oh, and yep. so <laughs> so it makes sense, right? If you're scared, right, but our brains,
1: yeah, our brains freak out over that, right? They yeah. hate to change. Like, so the fear is real. Yes. I
2: can't do this. And so I guess I would just say to these people, you know, if you're in this camp and you're scared to look at the LGBTQ community or the people in our community who are hurting, um, yeah, you will be changed by it. And mm-hmm. and your conceptualization. And relationship with God will be so much stronger because of it.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, absolutely. Because once we take the box down, take our LGBTQ members out of the box of God's mm-hmm. love, where you know, however we have that constructed, we come out
1: too. He yes, loves exactly. us. We're allowed to be loved by Him differently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we look mm-hmm. at ourselves differently. Yes. Yes. We, it, you can be. You cannot not be changed. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. The work that we're doing for each other and. For
2: I love that. I, because you know, I've I've told this to other friends, but I'm like the the two communities that have changed me the most are the Mormons and the gays. Right. And they're like, that's funny, but it's like one hundred percent. And what I've learned from the LGBTQ community is really this intense self acceptance. Yeah. This I am who I am, you know, graduating from BYU unmarried. That was devastating. And <laughs> I'm so like, proud of you. <laughs> like I was so devastated. And now being 27 and having time to think about these things and just come into my own, it, it has been this journey of faith, this journey of LGBTQ research, this journey of pain and empathy. It's not only changed my mind towards other people, but it has changed my mind and heart so radically towards myself. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's so much more fun to be me than it was three years ago. And I think that's one of the most beautiful pieces of change in all of it. That and is the
1: change in your experience of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so true. Of
0: all of this. Kate, thank yeah. you so much. I wish we could go on. We might have to do more. Work you too, and Kate do some research together, right? <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I would love, love
0: that. And I'm sure that your life
1: experiences will be just as interesting we'll have more to talk about soon but thank oh, you oh yeah i like your journey's just beginning you're going to be fun to watch oh, oh you're too you. yeah
2: i'm just <laughs> you know i just i think of the the lgbtq community latter day saint community as a handcart and all of us are touching different pieces of the yeah. handcart some of us are pushing oh. from behind and some of us are pulling and some of us maybe just like have one hand on the side and we're not quite sure like how we're going <laughs> to interact with it yet but But all of us are circling the wagon, you know. We have Mm. so many people circling the wagon, and wherever you are, wherever you are in faith or religion or whatever, we need you circling this wagon. And and um, together we'll push it up the mountain.
0: Let's, yeah, let's get this wagon home, right? Yep,
1: yes, all right. So, Kate, what our, our question we always end with is, How do you lift in love? How do you? Oh, I'm saying it wrong, Allison. Correct me how I say it. Okay. What does it mean to you? Let's see. Okay. Kate, what does it mean <laughs> for you to lift,
0: to be lifted in love?
2: Oh, I love that question. Um, I think for me, it is the very radical and honest act of deep listening.
1: Oh.
2: And just listening to someone else's experience, not with the intent to fix, not with the intent to counter, but just with the full intent of understanding and holding and existing in that person's reality and space.
0: I love it. Beautiful.
2: Mm. Well, so we thank you for coming. So fun to talk to you. So good. Thank you. You too. Yes, everybody, if they want to follow you on Instagram, what is your Instagram? Kate.toronto, just like the city. Kate.Toronto and it be prepared for all things faith and LGBTQ. Ooh, everyone. Love that.
0: And keep publishing your great stats. They're so important. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. all right. Thank you guys.
2: Thank you.
1: Bye. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Left podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under
0: liftandlove.org and and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.